0: We're called to be reformers, not just whining, complaining reporters of bad things. How do we do it? First thing is we need a standard to reform too, which we understand is the word of God. That's the
1: voice of Kurt Cameron, the well-known actor, filmmaker, and author who's making waves around the country as he challenges Christians to speak up and reform our society rather than just give in to despair. We bring you part two of this important message today. Plus, we have a huge update on a key win for parental rights when it comes to how transgender issues are handled in schools. We'll break down what this means for your community and what you can do to help. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our grassroots manager, Eli Osborne.
2: Well, welcome everybody i'm eli from the family foundation and before we jump into the cliffhanger that we left you off on last week of kurt cameron's message about being brave candy has a big announcement on the transgender issues in schools what's going on candy
1: that is right eli we have a pretty big win for appearance i don't know if everybody has seen all the headlines over the last few days But it really is a significant moment for parents right now in the history of our state. And, you know, just to give a little context here, you know, I know that we've all been seeing these troubling headlines, not only here in Virginia, but all across the nation about parents battling in their local uh, school districts just to have the right to even be notified on things like if they're elementary school kids are, you know, a teacher reads a book to them about a boy identifying as a girl, for example. Or, mm. you know, even in some ways a lot more serious when they get a little older. We're hearing from parents where their middle school age kids or 15 year olds are getting counseling, um, getting pushed by school officials without parents even knowing about it down this path of so-called gender identity transitioning. Wow. And the the thing about that is we know the real harm that happens. This is now documented when kids are pushed down this path toward hormone blockers, medical procedures that are irreversible, there is not only emotional damage done, but but real damage that can be done to the body that often is irreversible. Yeah. So you would think that it would be a no-brainer, right, for parents <laughs> to be welcomed into this conversation, for yes. for it not to be hidden from them, for school officials not to hide these key things happening in their own children's lives from the parents. But sadly, the opposite has been happening. They've been hiding things from parents. We've seen this happening in Virginia. That's where you have the story um, from people like, Michelle Blair, who talks about her 15-year-old daughter, Sage, uh, this happening at Sage's school where they were hiding this information, and she ended up Mm -hmm. just in a tragic story getting into being sex trafficked. We won't go into all that now, but you can read these real-life stories of the damage done to teens on our website, familyfoundation.org slash protecteverykid. That's familyfoundation.org slash protecteverykid. Uh, But that's been what's going on that we've been trying to address.
2: Yeah, And that that is all incredibly terrible. But people might wonder, why is this happening in our schools?
1: Right. Why is this? How could we even be at the point where this is even happening? Right. Well, I know at least in Virginia, you know, a large part of the reason this is happening is because a lot of schools are still following these holdover policies from the Northam administration and these were really radical policies addressing how transgender issues should be handled in the schools and just to kind of boil it down these policies in effect ended up putting a wedge Mm -hmm. allowing government officials to insert a wedge between parents and their kids Uh, most importantly that the key way that that was happening is because it had language in these policies basically encouraging school officials to hide things from parents in all the areas that we're talking about especially Mm -hmm. when kids are experimenting with their gender identity at school and but you know there's good news coming out of this yeah Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, i think that's that's why we've been so excited to just come along parents in this process because in the terrible fight that they're facing in this in this cultural chaos we have this protect every kid initiative where we get to come right alongside parents in their community which I've 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 been excited to be a part of since I've been on board here at the yeah. Family Foundation, just standing beside parents on these issues. But that gets that gets to the good news in this Protect Every Kid initiative. We now have Governor Yunkin and his administration responding to your voices, the listeners of this podcast, um, from where you've been sending emails, you've been speaking up at the at the board meetings, you've been making your voices heard that parental rights matter and that the safety privacy safety and privacy rights of all students should be respected in the school system. And he's heard that. His administration has heard that. And they've revamped the previous policy that cut parents out of the process, that put children in danger in the schools, and it now restores some of the most crucial rights of parents. I'm really excited about that. Yeah.
1: And we don't have time to go into all the details of how this revised policy is different, but we did want to highlight a few of the key improvements for you. And again, you can find a lot more details on the Protect Every Kid website. But just to highlight a couple of the most important improvements, I would say one of the most important ones is that, you know, the previous policy, the, the Northam administration holdover policy, basically encouraged schools to deceive parents when it came to these gender identity issues. And now this revised policy makes it really clear that schools should not encourage or instruct teachers to conceal vital information, especially when it has to do with children experimenting with their sexual identity at school, like we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, this another key improvement that i just want to highlight real quick is that this really does allow for more local control of your schools because before when it came to these areas like locker rooms and bathrooms or even overnight field trips that kids are on um, sleeping quarters for those field trips you know where kids are more more vulnerable they're often in a state of undress um you know before it was kind of like um they were trying to, to apply this high pressure on schools to adopt what amounts to a blanket, one size off it's you know, mm-hmm. one size right. policy. All. Yeah. yeah, fits mm-hmm. all policy. And uh, really, it didn't allow for schools to make their local decisions based on the needs of their community on how to best protect kids. So now we've restored more flexibility to schools to approach these locker room and bathroom issues and be more responsive to what they're actually hearing from the parents there, their local communities. I'll just make a couple of points on that. Uh, First of all, in this revised policy, now minors have to at least have a documented letter on file from their parent before they can just enter any multi-use bathroom that doesn't align with their biological sex Mm -hmm. so there's there's some parameters now where before it was just kind of anybody could go into whatever bathroom yeah and we saw some harmful situations arising out of that so there's more um, control some some more flexibility for schools to be able to monitor that Mm -hmm. Um, also now schools under this guidance must allow an opt-out form for parents and students that are now concerned about the privacy and safety of their school bathrooms and locker rooms so if you're you know that there's something in your school happening that you're uncomfortable with you can file an opt-out form for your child to be able to use a single use bathroom again there's a lot more information we've got links to the actual revised policies on the protect every kid website um, and a lot of other tools
2: yeah so this is a really powerful tool for parents to go to their local school boards And to share their concerns and to try to get their local school boards because if I'm right this has to be implemented at the local level while this is a model policy and every school board has to come into compliance it relies on the the passage of this policy will rely on brave parents like you listening to go to the school board and get it implemented is that right
1: that's exactly right Eli Uh, it's not automatic that's what people need to understand this relies on your voice you need to go to your school boards and hold them accountable for aligning with this policy because what these policies are that they are a model policy as eli said by law the schools must come the schools must adopt their own policies that are consistent with this model mm-hmm. um but it's it's not going to happen it, you know we can have good laws passed we can have good policies but if they're not implemented, it won't have that redemptive impact. So that's where we need you to speak up and go to your local school boards and hold them accountable for that.
2: Yes, yes. And I, I know everyone listening will care deeply about this. And they'll, they'll want to help partner with us and um, the in the governor's administration to get this passed at their local level. So what's something that parents can do right now? What's the immediate step out of, out of these policies being finalized that they can do to make an impact?
1: Yeah, well, there's... Maybe just three basic steps I would ask people to take right away. And the first is to contact your school board members immediately. You can do that through email, phone number. You know, most schools have the information for their school board members with the online school website. So go there, start contacting them immediately. Uh, You want to ask them to bring their, their policies on transgender issues into alignment with this revised guidance that now restores protection for parental rights. The second thing you can do is sign up to speak at the next school board meeting that works with your schedule, that's the next one on the calendar. Just sign up to speak. It's important to have a visual demonstration of support. So bring people with you. We've got tools on the website, Protect Every Kid to help with that. There's downloadable Protect Every Kid sticker designs, yep. uh, points on what to say. So just bring people with you. Sign up to speak at the next school board meeting. And I would say one point you can make is simply to ask your school board members to take a vote as soon as possible to align their policies with this parent-friendly revision, this model policy.
2: You know, we were talking about the speak-up tools available online at our Protect Every Kid website, and that segues nicely to action point number three, spread the word. It's incredibly important that you take what you're learning from this podcast episode and what Governor Youngkin's administration is doing and spread it into the community about the importance of getting to the school board, that this is a local fight. You have to get to the school board and use the downloadable tools that we have on our website, everything from downloadable stickers to promotional flyers to talking points. We even have a three-minute video from Chloe Cole, a teen detransitioner, that was on our podcast a couple weeks ago speaking directly to the school board members about the importance of not letting this ideology come between parents and their children.
1: Yeah, and I love the point you made earlier, Eli, that people won't know about this if you don't spread the word. I I think that's important. And basically our Protect Every Kid website is a one-stop shop to put at your fingertips everything you need to do that. The Chloe Cole video, every school board member needs to see that. You can share that with your school board members like Eli's talking about. There's other videos from uh, Michelle Blair, the parent of SAGE, a legal advisory letter for school board members, just everything you can think of to both spread the word and make your own voice heard.
2: Yes, and really the bottom line to all this is if you care about protecting kids, if you hear what we're talking about today and you want to do something, we have to make a redemptive impact and in our, in our local in our local policies at the school yeah. boards by involving parents. Yeah. If you want to protect kids, you have to involve parents. You have to protect parental rights and keep the relationship between yeah. the parent and their child.
1: The best way to protect the most amount of kids possible is to protect parental rights. It's, yes, it's, it's, simple, it's that simple. Because if you don't, you open the kids up to predators, yes. psychological manipulation. They need that safeguard yes. from their parents. Well, I think, Eli, we've reached a great, a great segue
2: yes.
1: into the rest of Kurt cameron's talk because he talks about being bold being brave to speak on even the most sensitive topics in your community like this one yeah. and so let's pick up the rest of that uh, it's called wanted the brave that's the title of his message and i do again want to give a big thank you to cornerstone chapel in leesburg virginia for allowing us to share this so with that said let's hear from Kurt cameron
0: You see, what is so-called progressive today is not progressive, it's just regressive. It's regressing back to the pagan ways before Christianity came and civilized the world. But how did they do it? Well, I believe that they knew an old recipe for bravery. They understood four ancient truths... that predated history itself, that delighted their souls and made them brave. And I want to share them with you today, because we are in need of brave men and brave women. C.H. Spurgeon lays these out for us. He speaks of, number one, the sovereign choice of the Father by which he elected us unto eternal life. That is a matter of vast antiquity, since no date can be conceived of it by the mind of men. We were chosen from before the foundations of the world, the Bible says. Not only that, think of this, everlasting love went with the choice. It was not just a sterile act of God, but divine affections were involved in choosing you. He loved us from the beginning. And not only the sovereign choice of the Father and the everlasting love of the Almighty, but the eternal purpose to redeem us from our ruin, to cleanse us, sanctify us, and glorify us, all of that runs side by side with unstoppable love and absolute sovereignty. And the covenant, don't forget the covenant, which is always said to be everlasting. And Jesus, as the second party in this covenant, had his beginnings from of old. He struck hands, Spurgeon says, in sacred covenant long before the first of the stars began to shine. And it was in him that we were ordained unto eternal life. And so, in the divine purpose, a most blessed covenant was established between the Son of God and his people, which will remain as the foundation of their safety when time shall be no more. You were chosen. Before the foundations of the world, you were loved from the beginning. You have been given part in an eternal purpose to be members of the loving army of compassion, to bring the gospel and life to the dead. And you have been locked into a covenant of love sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ Himself. And no one can snatch you out of His hand. How, how shall we respond to these things? Hunker down. Hold the line. Try to stand your ground. Speak up a little. Wait to be rescued. Don't bother polishing brass on the sinking ship of Christian culture. Because it's just the Titanic going down. There's no hope for the kingdom of God. I say, no, I think that's wrong. I think we do what Alfred did. I think we do what God told us to do, advance, take ground, reform. Go ahead and polish that brass. And while you're at it, swab the deck, scrape the hull, stoke the coals, grab the wheel, full steam ahead. This, This ship is going forward, not down. How do I know that? I know that because 2,000 years ago, God unleashed upon the world the most powerful transforming force ever known to mankind, the self-governing Christian. Freed from the chains and the shackles of guilt and shame, armed with the only weapon powerful enough to subdue the earth and its institutions, the Word of God. And he became the, the force, the bulwark of a movement begun by God himself and against which Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. And historically, whenever this new creation of God, a true believer, understands God's instructions and applies them to all spheres of life, he increasingly takes dominion over his circumstances. He progressively proves that he who is born of God overcomes the world. He's not dominated by history, he shapes it according to the will of God. We are called to be reformers, not just whining, complaining reporters of bad things. How do we do it? First thing is, we need a standard to reform to which we understand is the Word of God. In America, we have progressively removed the Bible from our morality, our education, and our government. Even our churches. And we are now becoming our own standard. And now anything is acceptable. Literally anything. Good has become evil. Evil has become good. We live in an upside-down, inside-out morality. Think of the Grammy performance this year by a very popular singer who dresses in a skin-tight red leather suit as Daddy Satan, singing his unholy lyrics on national television with men in cages dressed as women performing and gyrating sexual actions for all to see. All applauded, celebrated, and then sponsored by your favorite healthcare provider, Pfizer. We have gender-affirming care, so-called, that one author wrote is the new lobotomy. Back in the 50s, there was what to do with mental illness. They put people in padded rooms and gave them medications to calm them down. And when that didn't work, the medical industry performed surgeries and removed portions of their brain this, was, this discredited the medical industry and was a great spot on the legitimacy of what that portion of the medical industry understood and their practices were barbaric. And today, in the name of gender care, children, young boys are being chemically castrated without their parents' consent. And young girls are having their bodies mutilated in the name of care. How do you convince a crooked culture that they're crooked when they have simply come to believe that the standard for what's right is what they, whatever they think? Because we've gotten rid of the Bible. Charles Spurgeon says this beautifully. He says, don't spend any time trying to explain how crooked a crooked stick is. Simply... Lay a straight stick beside it, and the work is done. (laughs) Preach the truth, and error is abashed in its presence. Reformers without the scriptures are deformers. So you have reporters, reformers, and deformers. Without the scriptures and the gospel, Hollywood, the medical mafia, big tech, are deforming children, gender, sexuality, and culture. When Jesus was asked in Matthew 19, is it right for a man or for a woman, to, or for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? He held up the straight stick of scripture and said, in the beginning God created male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh." Right there, he told us everything we need to know about gender, marriage, and sexuality. Amen. So how, how do we apply the straight stick of the Scriptures to culture that has become so crooked We do it the same way that God's always told His people to do it. He gave the strategy to Adam in the garden. He he reiterated it to Noah. It would be starting with the personal, individual uh, transformation of the heart. It works itself out in through your marriage and your family, your home. It starts in the head. You are transformed in your mind. You have the mind of Christ. It moves to your heart. It moves to the works of your hands. It characterizes the activity of your home and it moves all the way out to the city gates where government business is done. That's the Shema. God gave it to Moses. It would be, it would, it would come through all of the great heroes of the faith, and on down. It's an inside out strategy. And it's driven by the family of faith. This is good news because that means that the drag queens are not really the problem. China's not the problem. The WHO, the CDC, Bill Gates, the World Economic Forum, George Soros, Silicon Valley rulers, they're not the real problem. By the way, they're nothing compared to the ancient Egyptians and what they did to people, or the Babylonians, or the Medes and the Persians, or the Roman Empire, or the Vikings. Who would, who would build idols of metal and heat them up to extreme temperatures with fire. And upon their arms, they would sacrifice their children. And they would, they would flip and sizzle like baby bacon. They would impale people on stakes and light them on fire and hold them up as human torches to illuminate gladiatorial entertainment games. What we're dealing with now is nothing compared to that. But it will get there, because that's the depths of depravity that exist within the human heart. And it's interesting, God never said, fear them. You read through, He never says, fear them. He says, fear me, and I'll bury them. He says, be strong, be courageous. He says, he, he says, be, be brave. <laughs> he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He said, but if you forget me, I will bring them to you to discipline you. He says, if my people will humble themselves and pray. Don't look at them. Don't point at them. Your biggest problem is you've taken your eyes off of me. Turn from your wicked ways. Come back to your father, and I'll take care of them, and I'll take care of you. That's what Alfred recognized. This is the revival that we need in America. We need to return to a vision of victory Reform yourself first. Reformed men reform their world, starting with their marriage and their family, and they don't stop. They keep reforming. They reform their their church, their friendships, their workplace, their government and culture. That's the leaven that leavens its way through the whole lump of dough. That's the tiny seed that grows into the giant tree that fills the whole garden. That's what Alfred did, what St. Patrick did, and Knox did, it's what the pilgrims did. Now here's a word to all the men in the room who are like, bro, I'm so with you. Are you kidding me? I'm stocked up. I'm ready to go. I think we should just 1776 this thing and light it up right now. (laughs) This is a word for you. We've got to do things God's way or it won't work. It will become worse than it is now. Before we go all 1776, which is the last resort, let's first go to Psalm 176 and call on our God to turn his ear to us and hear our prayers and change our hearts. Reform ourselves first. A Dutch theologian in the 16th century, Hugo Grotius said this, a man cannot govern a nation if he cannot govern a city. He cannot govern a city if he cannot govern a family. He cannot govern a family if he cannot even govern himself. And if he cannot, and he cannot govern himself unless his passions are subject to reason. And I would add, and he cannot rightly reason unless his mind is subject to the will of God. A real man, a brave man, looks in the mirror, he stares into the eyes of the serpent of lust that lives in his own heart. Greed, wrath, sloth, envy, pride, and he crushes its head through personal repentance and faith first. And then when he has become faithful in small things, God will put him in charge of greater things. So when you're scrolling through your newsfeed today or tomorrow, and you see Guthrum and his Viking hordes sailing in on their longboats, or you see the alphabet army and the rainbow religion grooming your children, or socialism metastasizing like a cancer through your government, destroying your culture, don't put your head in your hands and cry in your Chick-fil-A soup. Waiting for Jesus to take you and your children out of this world? I think Jesus is waiting for us and our children to pick up our Bibles and take charge of this world as warriors in his loving army of compassion. A final word to us this morning from a reformer who got it. German monk Martin Luther... Ein Festeberg ist unser Gott. <laughs> A mighty fortress is our God. And through this world with devils filled, should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. That's scripture. The great hymns are filled with this vision of victory and an accurate picture of the battle between good and evil. He has willed For His truth to triumph through us, the scriptures say we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are God's ambassadors on heaven, being sent out in a a reconciliatory mission, commanding men to be reconciled to God. He has offered terms of peace. He has paid the price to redeem you out of the slave block of sin, and He will adopt you into His family. The the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Resist the devil, the Bible says, and he shall flee from you. There is only one sovereign of the universe, and that is the Almighty God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Jesus Christ is the ruler of the earth and the devil is a defeated foe slinking off to the lake of fire. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. His kingdom is forever. Before the world existed, he chose you. He set his love upon you. He purposed to save and sanctify you. He put you on the winning team, safe in the covenant of his blood, and no one will ever snatch you out of his hand. The kingdom of God is winning, not losing. The kingdom is expanding, not shrinking, and it advances through the hearts of brave men and women like you and your children. If God can be for us. And he is who can be against us. Brothers and sisters, as those who have been born of God and are sure to overcome the world by the word of God, I implore you, be brave. Wow.
2: Listening to that sermon, I was ready to just jump up and run laps around the building.
0: I really think
1: there's something wrong with you if you listen to that and you're not ready to jump up and go yes yeah <laughs> yeah uh-huh.
2: it was like it was like a full-on rally call for all Christians yeah
1: mm-hmm. you know Eli, I really think people that have a heart for reforming their culture that are involved um, in trying to speak God's truth in the community around them. This should just be on their playlist. They should just watch this Kirk Cameron message maybe like once a month when their spirits are feeling a little down or something. I think I think it's going to be on my playlist. Yep, yeah, well,
2: I'm, I'm definitely saving that video for the low yeah. days. Yes.
1: Well, one thing I really appreciated that he said was when he talked about the kingdom of God is expanding. It's not shrinking. And having that eternal perspective that eternally speaking when we are fighting for God's principles we're on the winning side right and just it, it really helps to keep that in perspective and of course we need to do that as he said by being immersed in God's word um, I like that he said long term we're not going to win with just conservatism message it has to be gospel in- infused yes to really have long-term redemptive impact that's a good reminder isn't it
2: yes it certainly is and whenever we because we do this on a daily basis, and I'm sure our listeners do the same. But we, we acknowledge all of the bad things going on around us, that there's there's yeah. enemies on all sides. But he says something just very clear. He says, God didn't call us to fear them. He called us to fear him. Yes, and that was he, so good. he would take care of us and them. Yeah. And that our first call is just to trust God. I love that.
1: All right. Now, he sung for the audience.
2: <laughs> I'm not singing. A
1: Mighty Fortress is <laughs> Our God. I think, is that the name of it? Mighty yeah. Fortress um I, I do want you to sing like kirk cameron right now
2: i don't think i'm prepared for that and i didn't see that in our uh, in our prep for the show today that was
1: part of the job description for today because <laughs> i have to sing a, yeah like a kirk classic yeah okay oh you're gonna do it no, no. okay <laughs> well on that note we'll just close out i want to remind everyone to remember to share the Speak Up Virginia playlist so we can get messages like this out to more people. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, be sure to to give us a review. That five-star review helps escalate the program to reach more people. And I think it'd be good to close out today with be brave, be bold, and remember we are stronger when we speak together. See you next time.